0: Hello and welcome to Eating Between the Lines. I'm your host, Therese Martinez, and I am so happy to have you here. If you want to untangle yourself from diet culture conditioning and get appropriate, actionable options to nourish your unique life and body, I'm going to dive deep into the nuanced spectrum of health to help you figure out what to prioritize in your journey without getting trapped in the extreme ideology of health optimization, or total complacency. I am here to help you apply the science effectively, not rigidly, and get you feeling better in your body and mind. Here is how to eat between the lines. Hello, hello, welcome back. I am so excited to talk about today's Topic. It is pretty complex. And so, going into just a few components of this today, but we are talking about why it is so dang hard for so many of us to know what to eat, the the confusion around hunger cues, the lack of body trust, and what has really led to this massive disconnect of body and mind overall. So, losing trust has been is multifaceted, right? We have food's influence and the hyperpalatability of foods. And so a lot of times there's this big confusion around shoulds and shouldn'ts around eating certain types of food. When I say hyperpalatable, I'm talking about like high fat, high salt, high sugar often associated with processed and ultra-processed options. And so we have food's influence This is really tough for us when we are growing up and into adulthood to actually be able to listen to our hunger signals because... those types of foods can really actually mess with our hunger cues sometimes. Now, I'm going to go into this a little bit more. So please take that with a grain of salt because there is also a massive psychological component with those foods and the shoulds and shouldn'ts as well. But I don't want to negate the fact that there are physiological influences that come with consuming hyperpalatable foods that do influence what we crave, what we want, and then our ability to be able to trust our body that it is communicating in an appropriate fashion. So number one is foods influence and largely that hyper nature of those foods. Number two is really not a lot of exposure to developing knowledge, skills, and abilities with whole foods. So I believe that we really have not done a great job with exposing folks to cooking and understanding whole foods, how to prepare foods, what to look for, how to make them taste good. And so we are kind of just left with this lack of knowledge and then have only then a lot of processed or ultra processed options to go to that, again, feed that palatable nature and then create more disconnect with these whole foods that can in turn help us to have a better functioning body overall. But then again, just build that better relationship with these whole healthy foods. Uh, Number three is just education and resources lacking. So it kind of goes back into number two as well. But we just haven't been Exposed and educated around food. At least I know I wasn't for a very long time. I think it's getting talked about a lot more, almost in like the other extreme at this point for many. It's just really helpful to get some education with whole healthy foods and how to what that looks like. There's also resources though. People have different resources to different accessibility to food. And I think it's really important to recognize that as well, that they can be a little bit challenging to get to these certain foods and have these options. And so with those folks, it can be a a battle to figure out how to eat healthier. And so that, again, leads people to some of these processed or processed foods and or just not getting the nutrients they need from other options. Education and resources for sure is another one. And then a huge psychological component around losing trust is the shoulds. So the shoulds around our body, the association of what we consume and how we move to manipulate our body and what it needs to look like is huge it's huge it's huge food is the main thing to manipulate body size at least that's what we're told and so that supposedly equates to health and or safety and acceptance in this world and so if we cannot control that we are now not safe we are also unhealthy. And so I want to kind of bust through some of these concepts, potential myths, and work through this with you guys today. So I'd like to bring it back here. When, when did you stop trusting your body? You know, kids, kids and their intuition, you can see so often, at least, they really have a good idea of what they want, when they want it, when to stop, when they're full, when they are hungry. I don't have kids personally, but that's just what I've observed and learned to a certain degree. I know that there are also considerations where they will not eat and you know they will overeat or whatever it is. But I just want to point it out that we are born intuitive beings, right? And for me, when I look back to kind of see when this was where I just stopped being intuitive and I started being more judgmental and curious and concerned, was when I really started taking to heart the media, such as, you know, magazines and television and kind of seeing what people were promoting and marketing. So, you know, things like how to get six pack abs or why you need to get rid of cellulite or why, you know, you need to eat this and this diet, that diet, not to mention hearing adults talk about it. I don't think my peers really talked much about bodies for a while, but I would say a lot of this started. I specifically remember in my 10th birthday, I had a gymnastics party, and a lot of my girlfriends were really good at gymnastics, and I I was not stellar, <laughs> but in any case, they it seemed like they kind of fit the the role and the mold a little bit more, right? They had like the the cute outfits, they had the I don't know, I guess to me that what would seem like the look, and I was, um, you know, looking back on it, I was. Uh, little heavier set. And I remember having that idea of contrast, right? I am different. I am different than my peers. And what I'm also seeing is that I need to thinking about this and I remember my gymnastics outfit and it was one of those that had like the shorts kind of and all my girlfriends had the ones that were like cut off like a bathing suit you know kind of like a bikini or a one piece but that was cut off like underwear and I remember seeing this outfit of mine and, and pictures and just being like oh my gosh like this looks different this doesn't look like them and this is potentially concerning, right? Is this okay to have those thicker thighs? Is it okay to not have, you know, a fit stomach? And seriously, that seed was planted. And it just kept getting watered and watered. And I remember another seed getting planted around my butt in seventh grade. I remember getting remarks around how great my ass looked. And at this point, it was like, I was probably pretty self-aware. I understood that like bodies were a a thing that people were caring about and what you wanted to look at. But I don't think I had this idea that I wasn't like fitting the mold necessarily. Glennon Doyle has this term where she calls the gas. And the gas is this idea where everybody's kind of got a different stamina for the certain exposure to toxic messaging, basically, so thinking about you know billboards, media, news, TV shows, you know, whatever it is, and whatever topic you want to talk about today, essentially, and what she was referencing too, was like the gas around trying to manipulate bodies and like having you know, this pressure to look a certain way. I think about this a lot because probably many of you know, if you've been listening, I had a really bad eating disorder for a very long time of my life. And I recognize not everybody manifests their issues that way. I also am a registered dietitian and I see this day in day out where people really struggle with their relationship with their body, whether it's a full blown eating disorder or not. And so I understand there are different levels of this stamina and and, um, toxic load people can bear without it manifesting in negative habit or thought patterns. It just, I often see it there really, really prevalently. Again, it may or may not take up a lot of headspace and room, but I think that, gosh, I've just seen it so much where people will think it's not a big deal and they will seriously live their life Thinking about every single thing that they consume and how they move and everything, um, or feel just cycles of guilt and shame and try to suppress the the other thoughts and behaviors and such too. So in any case, I really like that idea. It's a good. It's kind of a nice little analogy and visual. Um, I think it's extremely relatable. So in any case, the gas for me just started getting more and more toxic. And around that time of getting the comments around my ass, I was feeling pretty good. Honestly, I liked that attention. I, you know, started accentuating my butt in clothes and calling attention to it. And honestly, I consider now kind of embarrassing ways. But in any case, another seed getting watered. This was about my butt. This is now a specific part of my body that I was getting attention for that I felt like I then needed to maintain, had to keep this up. This seed was watered over and over and over again, honestly, my whole life. I latched onto this perceived value I offered. This belief that told me I was desirable because of this part of my body. I want to mention, I think it's entirely appropriate to have attraction to people for specific physical reasons. I'm not like, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to give people attention for their body. I think that there is just a really big lopsided nature to aesthetics and versus personality, character, energetics. Like there's just It was very misleading growing up and I am still trying to wrap my head around all of the messaging and untangle so much of it that that really dictated how I found value for myself in this world and that I see every single day with clients too it reiterated that I was not desirable based off of other lacking areas of my body as well. So it's kind of one of those things where you see people getting attention for certain parts of their bodies, or you see them getting attention for, you know, how they look, what they're doing, whatever it is. And then you see that you are not that way. And so instead of a they, these people are attractive and this person can be attractive and it's a, I am not that. So I am not attractive in, or this isn't attractive about me or whatever it is. And I think that that is also messaging that could be very, it could be improved a ton. You know, the, the all inclusive a little bit more than the such contrasting and more exclusive narratives that come with, with physical attraction. I remember this conversation I had with a friend of mine. He was a good friend, you know, uh, particularly after college, we had connected more. And we talked a lot about relationships and that kind of thing and just attraction, sex, whatever. And I was going through this time of kind of feeling a bit insecure. We also like worked out a ton together too. And I'm remember talking to him and I don't know, just, I think that somehow my boobs got brought up and I'm pretty flat chested. And I was kind of talking about that, maybe like that insecurity of mine at the time. And I remember he was like, you know, after a little bit, like he was, he had some tact around this, but you know, he's like, but at least you have an ass. And it was just one of those things where it's like, and if I didn't like then what you know at least I have an ass well okay because it is just about boobs and butts and that was like this other I feel like at that time I was like that is not right like I was self-aware enough at that point and I've been struggling for a long time at that point too where it was like ah, I don't love that comment and I'm also like it's just like a massively reiterated thing now again. To throw value to this part of my body, that is the main thing I have to offer, right? Ugh, oh, just so frustrating. So there was another story. A friend of mine in college. He was also a friend uh, that we we chatted with a lot. We were watching Modern Family one night, and uh, Sofia Vergara comes on. You know, this quote unquote kind of classic bombshell of a gal, and I was like. Like, do you think that she's hot? And he was like, yeah. I was like, Ugh, oh, of course you do. He's like, Um, why? Like, is that an issue? And I just kind of dove in. So my whole issue with body shit stemmed from this idea, like, around guys wanting a certain body, right? Now, I was told many times over throughout my life that guys fall for girls with certain personalities, too, right? So that was something that it was a message. But it just wasn't so believable based off of the input and the gas bombardment, essentially, that from this other messaging, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. But if you had the right body, the right look, you know, you could get a foot in like you could at least get attention. And then from there you would, you would have more options, you know, because there was this like, whatever fear of not actually like finding, having the guy that I wanted to be with be attracted to me. I don't know. It's just so, but it's how it was. I recognized it. I was aware of it. And so in any case, I kept trying to manipulate my body size to at least be attractive, attracted to more people. Um, And again, this is all just like, I know so much more now, but in any case, I thought that this was the the right tactic. So trying to manipulate my body size to have more options of guys to be interested in me. And then if I couldn't quote unquote sell them on my personality, then that would be fine um, because I was pretty confident in my personality. And honestly, if they didn't like that, that would be a much harder thing to change. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to sacrifice that so much. It's just wild, like thinking about the psychology around this, right? Like what I did to manipulate my body size and the harm I've done to my body. But like, you know, trying, thinking that that was worth that manipulation and that pain and all of that was worth trying to get someone attracted to you, which ultimately was not a successful endeavor in the first place, versus people also you know, getting in relationships and then totally needing to change their personality and having that be the route. And that was not what I was thinking. Like that was, that was where I drew the line, right? Like, I don't know, just interesting and so frustrating to a degree. Wasn't a healthy place to be in. So with this gas of the outside world, Media, eat this, get the six pack, America's Next Top Model, TV shows, references there. It's actually pretty crazy to go back into like the, like some of those TV shows I watched in the 90s and just see all of the messaging there too. It's just like, oh man, we just, a lot of us didn't have a great chance <laughs> to not have this be a, you know, kind of an issue in our lives. Diet culture continued to bombard me, Right. Food rules, weight loss tips, parents talking about it, even messaging of like, oh God, I was so bad today, or I was so good today, or I'm, you know, the good, the bad, like those messages get, get into our minds and again, reiterated. So now there's a moral compass aligned with, you know, the way that we eat. So as I continue to have shoulds and shouldn'ts fed to me in high school, I also dealt with having type one diabetes. A condition that requires me to con- to question the food I want, can't have, shouldn't have, in addition to this pressure around food to make sure I maintained an attractive appearance. So because of this association has been made, like need to look a certain way. How do you do that? You eat a certain amount. You move a certain amount because calories in, calories out. This is the equation. So again, this is how you are safe and desirable in this world. And so you have to hyper-focus on the food intake and the movement in order to attain a body that keeps you safe. My understanding is now set. So with that, I have been drifting this whole time from my own intuition because of the messaging of what I need to eat and should eat and shouldn't have how I need to move, and then additionally, having type 1 diabetes, I am now in massive disconnect with what my body needs and wants and what I am overpowering it to do, essentially, how I'm going to eat. When this happens, we start to drift and we keep going. We count calories and macronutrients to the last gram to not go over. We see the calories burn on the elliptical and make sure you don't go above that intake. We start to fear food and crave it simultaneously for years and years and years. Ugh, How troublesome, too. These super delicious foods, like I mentioned before, a lot of the hyperpalatable foods are the ones we can't have. And so now these foods are being put on different pedestals and now there's, now if we do have them, there's guilt and shame related and there's making up for it and all of this stuff. And so it's just so counterintuitive to us and our own minds and bodies. And it's just this, this cluster. It's really hard. Hyperpalatable foods have kind of frustrated me in that sense too, you know even even more since becoming a dietitian because i i see the struggles so so much more understanding the challenge like the intake of them can be so addictive just based on the psychology alone like i mentioned just now but then you get into the actual physiological effects of these foods particularly in the absence of other more nutrient dense options so i want to highlight that we so often demonize a lot of processed and ultra-processed foods, high fat, salt, sugar, um, and saying that they are like you know the demise to everyone's health. But very rarely are we we giving any consideration to the nutrients lacking when we consume them. We're just we're just poo-pooing on those nutrients that we are consuming with them or lack thereof, more or less. Does that make sense? So. Essentially, if we look at people's diets and if kind of looking at health overall, folks that consume processed and ultra processed foods can still be totally healthy if they are also consuming adequate nutrients elsewhere. Usually, we see people be far more unhealthy when they are lacking those other, you know, micronutrients and fibers and polyphenols and things. And so that's really where a huge disconnect, I think, comes with the the hyper palatable and processed foods and ultra processed foods, because the processing, I don't even like that term so much. So many foods are very helpful and processed, but I hope that you kind of know what I'm referencing when I talk about that very low nutrient density, essentially high fat, high salt, high sugar, highly processed foods we can still consume those foods if a person wants, if they're also consuming other more healthful nutrient dense foods. And many times when we build a better relationship with food overall, our bodies really regulate better and, uh, and improve with those cravings of what we really want and need. So taking this back, Now we don't even know what to eat or how to eat, and we are just left with the shoulds, shouldn'ts, cans, can'ts, and numbers, right? This is that disconnect. You are taken out of your body. You are a mind with a machine to aesthetically manage. But at least it feels sort of safe, right? There's rules. Unfortunately, that safety is somewhat fleeting, considering there is an ever-present looming fear of not maintaining or veering from the safe zone, which leads people into the cycles of guilt, shame, restriction, and confusion around what they actually can eat or quote-unquote or what they quote need to do for movement. When we are young, these seeds planted with what is a priority is about pleasing others we really start to lose the knowing of what pleases our own self how many of us have in this journey of following the rules others have laid out have lost ourselves i mean i can think of it with jobs money relationships in addition to body stuff i mean we are just bombarded all the time by products workouts and approaches to life that will make us feel the best when ultimately we're not really being asked what it is, what is the best for us. Having the self-reflection and introspection of, of looking into that, it just goes right into the food thing, what we're supposed to eat, how we're supposed to look. So what is the knowing, you know, how do we connect, reconnect with our own self and body? Well, you know, there are many ways. There are certain steps that I have found to be effective and may also help you too. So number one is creating the awareness. We have to start creating the awareness around the messaging that we are allowing to come into our lives without interfering with it, right? Think about social media. Think about advertisements. I mean, I have such awareness around this at this point in my life based off of my experience with you know, my eating disorder with having an interest in health and fitness also, and then becoming a dietitian and personal trainer. Oh yeah. Add that into the self-imposed pressures of looking a certain way and feeding my eating disorder for many years too. We have to develop this awareness and it is hard and it takes practice. And there are things that you can do in terms of developing the skill set to interfere with your own thought patterns, self-talk, and otherwise, you know, we're really trying to consider your own wiring and motives for behavior. Creating the awareness is absolutely essential. Kind of like I mentioned with the social media, it's helpful once you start to create that awareness, you know, identifying current influences that are watering past seeds that are not serving you. So social media can be great if you follow certain accounts that water the seeds that you want to flourish essentially but if you keep watering those other seeds you're going to have continued disconnect and it's going to be challenging to get away from it more permanently or at least more effectively so considering and not just social media right it's who you're hanging out with it's what you're you know how you're um getting motivated it's all it's all it definitely takes a, a whole scan of your life, essentially, and then kind of developing the additional skills on how to intervene with that messaging, um, or again, getting the messaging that is more promoting for behavior that and thoughts that serve you. So, I also like to incorporate something called check the facts. This is a skill that was learned from uh, my inpatient treatment through a dialectic behavioral therapy. So checking the facts is when you start to create that awareness of your thought patterns, you can have certain thoughts that just take you down rabbit holes, right? Certain thoughts and um, self judgments that, that really throw you for a loop you know, this has happened to me, I would say a lot with like the scale. I haven't weighed myself in a very, very long time, but this might be a relatable experience for folks where you get on, like you can feel a certain way in your body and, um, you can, like feel energetic. I kind of consider it feeling like lighter. It's not it's not literal, but like just kind of a lightness to your energy, to your body, to like how you feel. Right, you're not bloated. You're feeling healthy, energetic, and then you step on the scale, and it's not what you wanted. It's not what you expected. Um, it's it's maybe more, and it will then like feed this, ugh, terrible narrative and black hole of thought patterns where it's like, Oh my God, I've let myself go. How, how did I let this happen? I, I am so lazy or I am like, I, I need to get more restrictive or I am going to, you know, start eating this way or that way moving forward. And, you know, some people can consider getting on the scale and, and seeing heavier weight motivating and, you know, for whatever that is. I personally did not really feel that way. <laughs> I don't think that often it is, especially if you have this tendency and again your stamina for that gas. So if we're looking at it in that light and we're working on checking the facts, you know, you are intercepting this thought pattern. You are saying, okay, hold on. What does this actually say about me? You know, am I lazy? well, you know, actually I do, I do move my body quite a bit and, um, I feel pretty strong and I actually, you know, I move around a lot during the day and, you know, so it's like, okay, I guess maybe that's not true, but still like I am, I am heavy. And then it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Oh, well, it means that I am ugly. What do you know that? What can you prove that? how how is that even known to who you look at that and it's like okay okay never mind but it means that i'm i won't have a lot of people finding me attractive you know it's one of the same with ugly but it can maybe be a little different for for some folks where it's like it's not a ugly repulsive thing but it is like an unattractive thing or a, a people are judging me around my own thoughts and or my own behaviors because i look a certain way whatever it is And so I am unattractive. And then it's again, like, do you know that? Like, where is the proof in this? Like, and you can't, like many times you just, you keep questioning and it keeps coming back to like, well, shoot, I guess I don't know that. Like, what is it really that the weight is telling you about yourself? And what is it really that you're trying to shift? you know especially for my example with my own self like going in feeling really good in my body feeling like i'm having a good relationship with food i'm moving my body well and then and then getting on the scale and then having that number tell me something tell about myself that didn't feel intuitive in the first place that's not that's not right it's just a number why in the world would i let that dictate now everything i'm doing moving forward So checking the facts, that's a skill I love to help um, clients apply. And then, you know, you follow that up with radical acceptance, another skill in DBT, where it's like, you're right, you just radically accept the state of affairs, right? You don't have, there's no purpose in overthinking, worrying, like giving this more thought because you cannot prove anything one way or another with more thought. You are radically accepting that this is how you are and moving on and or radically accepting so many I mean you can apply it in many different situations, right? you're going on vacation and you aren't going to be in a lot of control with your food. And that's okay. Erratically accepting that, you know, if you're injured, you aren't going to be moving as much as you need to. And that's okay. Certain things like that. Um, and then also like interpersonally and I mean, it's just a very great skill. I love DBT. I feel like everybody should do it. Then number four here, so we have kind of creating the awareness, identify current influences, check the facts, and number four is finding ways to reconnect. Reconnect with your body, right? So movement is a beautiful way to reconnect with your body if you are in a place to do that. Many people have abused exercise for a lot of their life, and it's really hard to get back to a better relationship with it. Um, And so, you know, take your time with however with whatever that means for you. But I do find for me, I did, I was, yeah, a chronic exerciser in an unhealthy fashion, I would do it, not only because I enjoyed it, you know, I did get those legitimate physiological effects and perks from exercise. But I would also do it to manipulate my body. And I would get really freaked out when I couldn't work out because I really thought that I was just going to explode, like I would just puff up to be the biggest person in the whole entire world. And that would be the worst. And so I actually um, really have redeveloped my relationship with exercise over the past couple years. It accelerated a lot when I left the gym that I was working at. Nothing to that gym, but I, um, I just didn't have access to a gym like that for a little while. And so I explored different avenues, I kind of got into yoga, a little bit more, I think yoga is like, I don't know, it's almost like it's, it's almost cliche at this point to like, say that yoga is such a wonderful outlet to getting reconnected to your body, because so many people say it, but it's like, it's because it is like, it is a really amazing way to pull caloric burn focus and workout focus and rah, rah, like exercise focus, out of like the equation and bring in, hey, you're just like moving your own body and getting connected to it and feeling, you know, like stretching. But also, I mean, yoga can be a pretty good workout too. But I do think that the benefits that many people, myself included, get from it, it's not that focus. It is getting more in tune with how I'm feeling, the the breathing that comes with yoga too. I think it's just amazing. Um, so there's a lot of different ways I've been walking more as well. And that I think is another really great way to get reconnected with the body. Um, I've always walked a bit, but I find that I, you know, listening and not always going hard in the gym and doing some walking outside is very beneficial as well, just to again, get reconnected with the body. Um, meditation and breath work are very powerful tools as well. Um, and I mean, there's a lot that I could say around that, but it just it it pulls you into the moment, right? And it it helps you create skills so that when you are not in the practicing mode of the meditation and breath work, which some people would debate, you are trying to be all the time. But like, you know what I mean, if you're going through a guided meditation, you, um, you are practicing certain skills of getting in the moment, reconnecting, calming down that um, or, or uh, getting that parasympathetic nervous system a little bit more activated, calming down the sympathetic. You are able um, to get connected in that moment, but you develop skills in that moment and many you know, minutes, however long you're meditating to apply outside of that. You know, and in traffic, in a challenging situation at work, in, you know, being able to not be so reactive, so impulsive, and be more mindful. That's where meditation works, right? How, like, that goes back into food. How often do we just impulsively? Grab food to eat, or you know, feel like we want to restrict or control it based off of stressors or you know, certain things that are happening in our life, but we're not really thinking about it. How often do we just shovel food into our mouths and then all of a sudden we're super full, or you know, we aren't thinking about our hunger and we're skipping meals? It's meditation is so powerful in developing that mindful component, it can also go back into developing the awareness, right. So really helpful to get into that practice. There are also direct ways to heal the body through nutrition, right? So creating more connection with your body can go back into incorporation of more healthful foods that actually help re-regulate the body to help you gain more trust in it. And when I say gain more trust, I am not saying that that is going to mean that, oh, great, you can listen to your hunger signals perfectly and then have a body that you are like, stoked on and have a six pack. That is really not what I'm saying. So trusting your body is not about still manipulating, having an outcome with your body size that might happen. It might change, but it's more getting connected to your own definition of health and what feels good to you in your body. And I think that so many people just don't even know how good they can feel and there is just this massive again disconnect between food movement and body and what is actually what a person what is what is aligned for an individual so improving your nutrition can be a great way to help you start to feel better in your body and it can also improve hunger cues and it can also improve that trust but It isn't the only thing, you know, and I want to make that clear. I just really do think it can help for many folks, especially if they're battling a lot of inflammation, a lot of disconnect with with cravings and hunger and, you know, sporadic eating. It can be really helpful to kind of eliminate some variables and create more clarity around certain patterns of intake and help a person feel, again, better, like that lightness that I was talking about before even just improving digestion. Gosh, like that alone is just makes you feel really good. So we got to water the right seeds. You know, we got to create the awareness first and foremost, work on battling the, this, the, the seeds that are being watered through input elsewhere that are, they're not favored seeds that are hurting our health, hurting our mindset, and we need to instead shift the focus on what we are truly wanting and what we actually need for our own health. We need to check the facts, check the facts of the marketing, check the facts of our own narratives, and um, and intervene accordingly. If I could go back, I'd want to change the messaging entirely, <laughs> You know, I, I get, I also recognize it wasn't all bad, you know, it wasn't all this, you have to change your body, you have to, that's the only way to feel worthy and loved. Because honestly, I remember people thinking that when I was going through some eating disorder treatment and like, um, or saying that, like, you just don't feel worthy and lovable. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if that's what it is entirely. I think that's part of it for sure. But, you know, it's complicated. And um, there are other message- messages that came in that were just not loud enough. And I think that's part of it, too. And I remember, you know, in, in treatment, people saying, thinking that that's what it was, where they were like, oh, well, you just don't feel worthy and loved in this world if you don't have the right body. And that I, I wasn't entirely it. It was just a big part of what I wanted in this life, <laughs> um, was to be accepted and loved and, and, and attractive. Than having that be part of it. Right. But knowing that I could get that through many other avenues, you know, I knew people, many people that didn't fit the narrative that were amazingly attractive individuals. And um, and so it wasn't that wasn't just the only messaging out there, but it just wasn't very loud. And I think that was the issue for me. I'd also want to learn how to cook more. And move in ways that weren't just for competitive sport or burning calories to manipulate my body. I think those are probably the top things that I would want going back. So developing body trust is a process that looks different for everyone, you guys. You know, the approach is multifaceted. It's psychological. It's physical. And I think it's just really helpful to get curious. Get curious around your relationship to all of it, and then working on taking some action. I hope this was helpful, and I want to leave you with a question that I like to ask people on, you know, like, second dates. <laughs> but I also ask this to, like, a lot of my friends. So this is a question that's just meant to get a person really thinking about themselves. So the question is, what makes you, you? I usually have to ask this question like three times. So it's like, what makes you, you? What are your unique qualities, characteristics that, that are just you? And oftentimes people have a hard time answering it, but I really encourage you to think about this. I mean, certain things like for me, even they can be aesthetic things like my curly hair, hundred percent, something that is what I really identify um, as what kind of makes me who I am. And that's not to say that it could change and then I will like change everything by any means, but it is something that has shaped a lot of my character, I would say over the years. Um, And just kind of, you know, how I walk with it, behind it. Like, there's a lot to my curly hair that has, like, made me me. And same with having type 1 diabetes. Same with, like, having an eating disorder. And then also, same with, like, my fear of heights and claustrophobia and, you know, desire to have deep connection with my family. The unique relationship I have with my sisters. There are so many things that you can kind of dive into, but you know, what is the, what are the combination of things that make you, you? I mean, the list is never ending, honestly. I just encourage people to get out of the, the general things. They can of course be there, but like not, not necessarily things like pizza or something. <laughs> so anyways, what makes you, you? talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this information valuable, please share this episode and give it a review. They truly help a ton. If you want additional support and information, you can head over to my website, teresemartinezrd.com, where you can snag my free guide on how to improve your hunger signals, get on my email list for regular juicy content, or apply for the next round of my signature program, Restoring Nutrition Intuition. Otherwise, Instagram at Therese Martinez RD or my Facebook group Fed Fit and Fad Free Nutrition with Therese are always places for more content and support. Until next time.